Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer budget-friendly flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment the plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals so for whatever tomorrow brings united healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you learn more at uh1.com ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, Steve here. Mark Walker and I wanted to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Maltopia podcast, and we wanted to take a moment to tell you about our other projects that provide you with exclusive content and behind-the-scenes bonus videos. How would you like early access to every podcast episode and creator videos that go into detail about your favorite stories? 
For free samples of what our Patreon has to offer, check out patreon.com slash Maltopia and scroll through our public content. Is The Shepherd of Wolves your favorite series? Now you can listen to our award-winning audiobook adaptation, The Red Sun, free with your 30-day trial to Audible. For animated YouTube narrations, original artwork, and more, check out our website at maltopia.com. You can also tweet us on Twitter and join the fun on our Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, we love nothing more than hearing feedback from you, so take a moment to like, comment, rate, and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Just a few seconds of your time makes all the difference, helping us reach more folks just like you who can join the Maltopia experience. With your support, we'll be able to offer even more of the content you love to listen to, watch, and read. Thanks again from the three of us. We can't do this without you. The tornado filled the dead knot with sorrow. Its presence was the escalation of a natural passion, risen almost to supernatural heights. Yet the creature could not feel it, only its absence, the silence swallowing the thunder, dust erasing the rain, calm taming the wind. He was kinetic death, and so the world was but a graveyard to be stalked. All he knew was the emptiness life left behind, treading solemnly the world's husk. He yearned so much to be released from the darkness, but when the light of the living world seemed like it might deign to touch him, it was always and only the foxfire of the open grave. For this, he hated life. Not because he was shaped from so much grave dust to haunt and hunt the living with a mindless passion for killing, but because of his unrequainted love for life, for revenge. The dead knot received the blow from the gigantic oversapien with nary a reaction. The strike that might have felled an elephant was no firmer a menace than the wind that whistled through the cracks in his pale armor, a rictus grin perpetual and undimmed. Lightning raked the skies directly above the two, and the pale giant lifted his gaze to where the dispersing arcs crackled and hissed, absorbing the spectacle as much as dead eyes would permit. The smell of ozone was like the perfume of lilies to the creature. All he wanted was to pluck the lightning from the black soils of the sky, hold it in the palm of his hand, feel the frenzy of its natural life, and crush it. Henry's next attack proved more substantial, the resulting telekinetic blast sending the undead juggernaut smashing through rows of parked cars in several small shops. 
The din of the storm enfolded the 15 bodies that fell limp and headless to the blowing dust. The Oversapien's battery of thralls growing ever smaller. The huge man failed to notice the pallid mist pooling at his feet, though the cold it evoked caused a pronounced shiver to run the length of his psychically created body. From behind his foe, the dead knot solidified from the mist that crept against the bluster of the tornado, straddling the world of the storm and the land of the dead. The monster seized the bronzed warrior by the neck, his thumb and forefingers passing each other where they grasped. A grip like iron forged from the coldest steel turned the man around till the two behemoths were face to face. You and I owe to the same power, mine ghost, Henry. Say that our respective loans couldn't be more distinct for their extents. While you borrow in the hundreds, perhaps even thousands of souls, I leased the bank. The man tried to pry the creature's hands from where they held his neck fast, but to no avail. The dead not only continued, his voice undiminished for the fury of the storm and thunder and tornado. Mine is the power of the grave, you see. Do you know how many creatures, remember us to Amoebus, have passed into the eager mouth of death? The man only stared dumbly at his captor, having abandoned any hopes of freeing himself. Rearing back his free arm, the monster struck his opponent with such force that the Oversapien blasted apart his entire person becoming a cloud of pink mist that was caught by the wind and scattered through the streets. The dead knot's empty gaze returned to the raging skies as he whispered to himself, Nor I, Henry. Nor I. Shifting his focus to the tornado, the dead knot stared into its center, where an aspect of the thing emerged that was not shared with other contraptions of nature. A machine, of sorts, as if the very engine of the whirling beast. Yet the sight of the pale titan continued past the device, revealing an even more deeply laid secret. The man within the machine. The two seemed intertwined, fused in an elegant if ghastly antipathy, air and metal, breath and the unbreathing. The tornado appeared to register the violation of its secret, and discharged a legion of lightning to put down the revelation. The blazing barrage cut through the air, throwing up sparks and fire where they jumped and skipped across corpses of vehicles and the power lines flailing from broken poles. All of it meant exactly nothing to the dead knot, who stood unflinching at the touch of lightning. Yet from within, a different kind of storm was brewing, one that could hurt him. I'm so cold, brother. Please let me out. Now. Please. I can't bear it. Eric's voice was small in the darkness, but the dead not heard it as clearly as the thunder, if not more so. Sweet Eric, I'm still about my good work. You wouldn't want me to quit the fight prematurely, and quite possibly allow something to happen to Hazel. Now would you? No. I know you wouldn't. You're too good a man for that. So please, endure a bit longer. If not for yourself, then for her. Though he genuinely cared for his sibling, in his own way, 
The monster couldn't help begrudging Eric the life he possessed, all the beautiful light he could never have. But neither could he long endure his brother's suffering. Is she all right? Did, did something happen to her? The shivering voice asked, from beneath the death that bound them together into a single battered soul. Am I not a creature of my word? Yes. I stayed the hand of death itself, even as it was reaching out for her. And I broke that beast into the wind of a thousand storms, where even now I can hear its screams. A song. One perhaps lovely enough for even a little dirge singer to appreciate. But her harrower was not alone, Eric. There is still yet another, and he makes friends with the spirits of the sky, asking them favors of lightning and storm. They have obliged him, and then some. Would you place her life into the hands of your fellows who do not know her, care for her, as you do? Fellows who see you as little more than a wrapper that must be unpeeled, so that I might conjure for them magic tricks from beyond the grave. The dead not waited for the answer he knew was coming. No, no, I, I, I don't. Protect her. Don't let them put her in the ground, too. It's so cold here. And the whispers, good lord, the whispers, the things they say, plead for. I think, I think I can hear her, brother. She asks me, she asks me why, why, why I didn't. The dead not wanted to break through the world and lift Eric from death so they might both be free of it, where they would no longer share the same shadow, opposite sides of the same murder. But even he was not strong enough for that. She is not there, little brother, but gone beyond. Death is a hungry thing, the grave its maw, the earth its belly, and you are in the guts of it, that the digesting souls will say anything for reprieve. Those are not the whispers of the dead, but of the dying, pleading with whomever might yet save them. Savor their pleas, Eric. Know that so long as they pray to you, you are alive, the one-eyed king of the blind. The composition began as the preserved peal of a thunderclap, which was arranged behind the rising chorus from the forest. Night singers set against the beating heart of the storm. Now a living song, it rose high over the trees, wading through the wind, inhaling the storm, consuming it. The sonic monstrosity was cast into relief by the effulgence of the cybernetic twister exposing where the transparent and living melody grew dripping claws that sang for the ripping of flesh and steel and wind, and how the head of the creature sprouted horns that circled its head like an enclosing tempo, gilding the wilder departures of its howling face, such as the flickering tongue that was at once a serpent and the song of its hunting and killing and eating. Keith bade the war anthem to seize the tornado, 
to tear it wind from breeze and lay its metal entrails out upon the road. Keith emerged from the conflagration of raging notes and roaring wind, sidling up to the undead hulk. Good heavens, I should have known this dance of death and calamity would have called to you, my great dead friend, sing-song the conductor, sincerely pleased for the freezing company. Ah, tis the dirt singer. I too am glad for the sight of you, and perhaps more so, the sound of you. As ever, your music is sweeter than honeyed twilight, my friend. The dead not replied, equally sincere. Together they advanced upon the tornado, even as the lightning reached out for them, the one managing the assault with indifference and death, and the other singing it away catching it in the seething notes of a song even electricity must dance to. Keith's sonic behemoth bear-hugged the tornado, lifting it from where it contacted the earth, its shrieking grip slowly tearing through the twisting exterior, seeking out its metal heart. The whirlwind suddenly ceased its spinning, its cyclonic power vacating the air, the machine at its center momentarily hanging dead and still. The death song was no longer visible, but the melody of its advancing claws could still be heard. With the fleetness of the banished lightning, the tornado reappeared, but now whirled in the opposite direction, drawing the air toward it, generating a vacuum that began enveloping the entire city. Becoming a dissonance of broken ballads, the sonic beast was shred by the reverse cyclone, its diminishing cries sounding out the vanishing air. Taken off his guard, Keith dropped to his knees in the suffocating atmosphere, his songs falling to the vacuum. Struggling to stay upright for lack of air, Lynn staggered onto the street alongside her comrades. She felt the potential irony of her next move curling her lips upward. The scent stealer gathered up Keith's suffocating pain and plunged it down the throat of their collective enemy. The second her plan unfolded, she felt the writhing nerve clusters and constricting capillaries signaling the horror washing through the machine creature. It seemed the irony was not wasted. The creature had an overwhelming fear of suffocation. When the vortex paused in its violent turning, Mars sensed weakness. His chest puffed from the breath he'd conserved for the occasion. He leapt from the side of the building he clung to, his swollen arms wrapped around the machine, which now upon closer inspection, seemed like a metal coffin or a completely sealed off iron lung. The perpetual warrior began prying loose the lid, his hands defying the riveted steel of its construction. He didn't need to be a sense stealer to feel the desperation that now renewed the reverse tornado's manic spinning, clawing at the breath he held behind his massive chest. Seated upon her prehistoric steed, Hazel emerged into the streets behind her teammates. She'd wrapped herself in the calm air of the prior moments, wielding the past like a shield. The man she knew as a passenger struggled with the heart of the tornado, but the ratio of his progress to the sweeping effects of the cyclone appeared lopsided, the odds of success favoring the towering vacuum. She held out her hands towards the wheeling monster, simulating a grip upon the thing, allowing her to visualize and thus focus her effort. Clutching the inverse tornado within her power, she began twisting it backwards in time, depleting the fury of its sucking appetite. 
but she could feel an immense counterforce rising to meet her challenge. The will of the man behind the storm was as much a force of nature as the Tomat itself. The atmosphere around the city warped and buckled, the air caught in a tug-of-war between time and space. Malsapien versus Oversapien. The werewind was yielding to his inner machine, the iron lung that supplied his soul, surrendering more and more of himself for greater shares of power, tempting it to become him. Although still sense-deprived, but for the feeling of suffocating, he lashed out in all directions, marshalling every trick a pneumatic man could muster. Despite the nullification of his external awareness, on some deeper level, where the man and his element were effectively indivisible, an infinitesimally small seam where the Melengen had sewed him to the air, he could detect a tension, a potential division. With fear and shame, Byron admitted defeat to whatever forces he blindly confronted. He knew he had to give himself to the machine, completely. By that fusion alone would his claim upon breath be absolute, but he trembled at what it might cost him. With no other option, he let go his will, handing it over to the device that breathed for him, and now would become him. Byron felt his soul slip into a cold embrace of wires and metal, the darkened air welcoming him home. Mars leapt down from the now-twisting, reforming metal device where its extruded hooks and piston-powered stingers sought to impale him. The air went dead again as a new transformation overtook the spaces of the tornado, and the Warbringer landed alongside his kinsmen where they gathered near the foot of their nemesis. Hazel relented her grip upon the mechanical storm, pain stretching her face. Lynn detected where Hazel stood behind their line, still mounted atop the prehistoric beast leaning almost to the point of falling. As she turned to face the beast rider, the dead knot placed a gentle hand upon her shoulder, nearly eclipsing her from sight. She's one of ours, little thief, he said out loud for all to hear. She's a gift from the inimitable Spider Black, sent to refresh our flagging ranks, apparently. Before anyone could take heed of the newcomer, the machine had concluded its transmutation. A towering pneumatic man, wrapped in a whirlwind. It floated just below the ceiling of the storm, a thing of corroded steel and screeching wind, its face a god in ruin. Recessed into the spaces where lungs might have been, a man was held cruciform within the grip of innumerable rusted cables and wires, all of them slithering through his exposed body like eels exploring a corpse. His eyes were peeled in horror and pain, and his chest rose and fell with mechanical regularity, his mouth but a metal hole, venting steam and screams. The anatomy of dark spectacle consists largely of a heart, the centerpiece of dread, whereby horror is given vitality. In this case, Byron was proffered as such an organ, even though he'd been displaced to a location more befitting lungs. The support of organs to a vision diabolic entail personalized elements, how it relates to the viewers. On this point, all the passengers saw their ultimate fates reflected within the wrecked man, a hint, or perhaps a symbol for the Melengen's end game, where it would take them someday, if not today. And it was precisely in that moment the passengers regretted the work they needed to finish. 
The Titan swung its gigantic fist down at the assemblage of gawking Malsapiens to pound them into the wind-blown earth. All the passengers save one fled the specter of a crushing death. The dead knot remained to confront the blow. He seized the gigantic inbound fist, the steel of the thing's skin as pliable as paper beneath his grip, and was smashed into the ground with a massive explosion of dirt and stone. Yet the sound of rending steel continued to shriek after the dust from the blow had settled. Suddenly, and with much violence, the giant machine thing was pulled elbow deep into the fissure where its fist still reposed. The sound of its body slamming to the ground shook the city and shattered its windows. With some effort, the pneumatic colossus pulled its arm from the hole, minus its hand. In the stead of its lost limb poured a stream of superheated air, setting fire to the trees where it passed over them. After the creature regained its full height, its missing hand, now crushed into an oval projectile, launched from the hole. Smashing into the creature's head, the missile put the Titan on its heels. A moment later, and the dead knot emerged from the chasm. And the stone of David did strike Goliath upon the head, so that it was the one and only blow that killed the poor thing, I believe. And there you still stand. And yet, I may see history repeated, as you have one hand left. The undead passenger offered up a bellyful of laughter to the swaying metal giant. Taking up a fallen Thrall's rifle, Mars sent bullet after bullet through the vital spaces of the crucified Oversapien. Yet the thing just screamed and stared bug-eyed, indifferent to the death he offered. Before he could rethink his course, a bluster of burning wind tore from its orbit around the pneumatic giant, igniting nearby structures and raising blisters across his forearm where it shielded his face. But the violence and circulating carnage only elevated the temper of the Malsapien, the warring spirit burning away his wounds nearly as fast as the inferior fire could make them. The wave of burning air outlined the spaces where time reversed its course, denying heat its purchase upon Hazel's time-shifted flesh, though that flesh had grown considerably grayer in recent moments. She knew what she had to do to unburden herself, but the opportunity hadn't arisen. While Spider Black never made a point of discussing her teammates, preferring to speak in broad generalities and deliberate vagaries, he had mentioned, in passing, a habit that seemed too polished to be accidental, that one of the passengers could tap into any living senses and that they were always watching from inside. Hazel yelled her new plan into the raging storm, hoping someone was listening. Lynn was already tapped into Keith's preternatural hearing, thus the proposal was heard by both. But the air was too troubled for Keith to reliably send a message, so Lynn took her turn speaking into the wind, her power bypassing the air entirely. Both Mars and the Dead Knot lurched towards the pneumatic monstrosity, eager for their turn with it. But it was Mars who received Lynn's message, as the pale giant proved largely immune to the sense dealer's power. The Warbringer drew even with his massive teammate, yelling over the storm. They want us to knock it down. They've got a plan. The Dead Knot's reply effortlessly dominated the cacophony. Pity. I loathe plans. They interfere with the natural chaos of the moment. Fortunately, 
toppling the thing was at the very forefront of my mind. If merely the precursor to the fun I'd hoped to have with our overinflated host. But, so be it. The rifle blazed over as Mars channeled the warring spirit into it. Its ammunition functionally infinite, its range only slightly less so. He dropped to one knee, leaning into the ferocious recoil the imbued weapon delivered with each eruption of burning projectiles. While the pneumatic thing reeled from the storm of glowing lead that poured over it, the dead knot lumbered to where the creature hovered. Wreathing himself in unearthly mists, the giant passenger lifted into the air, reaching out for his enemy. Perhaps recalling the strength of the dead knot, the pneumatic thing attempted to retreat higher into the wheeling storm, the burning wind bearing it ever higher. But when a concentrated burst of blazing lead strafed a cluster of corroded tubers snaking into the construct's left temple, its ascent wavered long enough for the dead knot to catch hold of the thing's foot. From there, the passenger scaled the mutated over sapien's metal body, hand over hand, sinking his fingers deep into the thing to acquire a sufficient grip. Having barely managed past the ceiling of the storm, the Oversapien turned its huge head to glower at the Deadnought, where he appeared upon its shoulder. Indifferent to the unspoken threat, the passenger slammed his white fist into the jaw of the giant. The Oversapien's head nearly came off, pieces of its face spinning into the distance, the report rivaling the thunder. As the two monsters tumbled from the sky, the dead knot pulled himself close to his enemy's rusted facsimile of an ear. Oh, how the mighty fall. Yes. The dead knot taunted, laughing all the way down. The city of Curious Forest all but disappeared beneath the growing shadow of the falling Colossus. And it did disappear when at last the creature crashed down upon it. The municipality of less than 3,000 persons all but vanished from the earth in a flash of fire and a mushroom cloud of dust. The passengers waded through the smoke and ruin, guided by the solidifying outline of a prone behemoth and the guttural laughter of a monster. By the time they converged upon their toppled enemy, it had already begun to stir, its burning winds coming back to life. The outstretched soul lashed to its chest, awake and shrieking steam. But before it could rise once again, the shape of a hag seated atop a great and bygone beast materialized next to the Oversapien's heart. With visible effort, she made her way to where the miserable creature caterwauled, knelt down, and placed her wizened hand upon its head. It all seemed a dream to Hazel, a surreal moment into which she had let her mind drift where she had the power to pull the present inside out and to relieve herself of all her unhealthy years by just touching another living soul. In moments, all the time she'd cheated fled her body, filling up the screeching man. By the time she rose, her aspect had been renewed in the colors of youth, her features fresh and straight. But of the things she stood upon, only a dune of blowing dust remained. 
Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 